(laughs) They might be saying how much they don't like Facebook or whatever, but everybody's on it. At least that's what I found in some of the discussions I've had is whether or not you love it or hate it, you're on it because there's that huge sense of FOMO, the, you know, what am I missing out that my competitors are doing or my colleagues are doing? Does the pandemic make things easier, harder? It's an is, and it's something we can't control. So we've really focused our energy on the things we can control, like the marketing and sales, website, doing work that matters, and social and content really do establish that credibility. Hi, it's Johanna Gottlieb with Promo Kitchen and Access Promotions powered by Halo. I'm with Kate Plummer with Clearmount, and she's also co-chair of Promo Kitchen. Thanks for being here, Kate. I'm really excited about the two guests we're about to introduce. Me too. This one is going to be a really interesting one, and I hope a pretty insightful one for everyone. You'll reveal the topic, and they'll know what they're looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Love the buildup. Today, we are with Bill Petrie. And if you guys don't know who Bill Petrie is, wow, who are you and why are you in this industry? And listen up, because he's got a really good story to tell. We also have Alina Rubenstein who is with Live 2, and she's got an amazing story to tell as well. We wanted to talk to both of them today as we're recording at the end of January in 2021 and have all just experienced a very interesting year. For Alina and Bill, it was really interesting because Bill restarted his company, Brandivate, and Alina started a new venture called Live 2. They've both been in the industry, played different roles, and we're going to allow them to introduce themselves now. So Alina, let's start with you. Thanks for being here. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and where you are today? Absolutely. I first just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here with you guys and with some promo industry celebs like Bill. So I'm excited to be here. Yes, I have been a part of this awesome industry for over 12 years now. And everybody has a story of how they got into this. And a lot of it is, you know, my family members have been a part of it. And it's just this beautiful generational story. And mine, unfortunately, did not start that way as I had no clue that this industry ever existed. And I was actually recruited by an old boss from Yellow Book that left Yellow Book and recruited me here. And I remember he was flipping pages in the catalog. And I was sitting across from him and I'm like, you're wanting me to sell screwdrivers and emery boards with a supplier out of St. Louis and put logos on it. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. It seems like a fun, needed change that I need. And so we jumped in and I remember my very first meeting in this industry, a customer looked at me and he said, once you get in, you never leave. And I was like, Okay, that sounds really weird and creepy, but here I am and I never wanted to leave and I love it. So after I spent some time with that vendor out of St. Louis, I went to PCNA in 2011 and I sold hard goods for PCNA, then I sold apparel for PCNA, and most recently I was part of the management team managing the central region of the US. Awesome. That's a lot of history and some really good industry experience. Thank you. Bill, how about you? 
just like Alina said, thank you for having me on the podcast. It feels weird having been a chef in Promo Kitchen to be actually on a Promo Kitchen podcast. So thank you for having me on. I started in the industry in 2000 with Halo Branded Solutions about nine months before the bankruptcy. I didn't cause it. I promise you that. I have verified information that I didn't cause it. Joking aside, though, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know, Looking back, I don't think I would have joined at the time. But I had really good background for it. I ended up staying with Halo for eight years because my background was sales integrations and implementations for a company outside the industry that was acquiring companies. So I had experience in really doing that, doing those types of things. So I was a nice pet to have. So I stayed at Halo for eight years, left there in 2008 to apply my trade as vice president of sales at Summit Marketing. Did that for three years, and then I was given an opportunity. I was living in Chicago at the time, had moved from New York to Chicago, was given an opportunity to start and manage a promotional products division with the fifth largest office products company at the time, a company called Guy Brown. And what appealed to me were, were two things. One, they were fully woman and minority owned, which is a great competitive advantage in the promotional product space. And number two, it was really an opportunity to start a business with somebody else's money, which I highly recommend if you can pull that off. It's a good deal. Did that for three years. And unfortunately, they were gobbled up by Staples. And so in 2015, I found myself out of a job through no fault of my own. We were very successful at the company called Guy Brown. So I ended up kind of being a consultant. I used the name Brandvate, as you alluded to, Johanna, in the intro. I used the name Brandvate, but it was really me just consulting and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I ended up going to work at Promo Corner as their president for three years. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, it was just time for me to go. I had a great time there, really am proud of the work we did there, but it was time for me to do something else. And it was time for them to do something they wanted to do and go in the direction they wanted to go. So it was truly an amicable separation. I was actually earlier today, as we're recording this, I was on a podcast for Promo Corner, you know, so it was very amicable, but it was time to do something different. So I still owned the name Brandivate and decided to actually make a real go of it as a business this time with a partner in Kelsey Cunningham. And so we actually are making it a real company this time. So that's my very quick, hopefully quick industry story. Why don't you tell us what your business does now and how you launched it? Lena, do you want to go first on this one? What do you do and how did you come up with it? And how did you basically in the middle of a pandemic go, yep, we're going to start something? Yeah, that doesn't sound like the most sane decision of all time, right? But it's been such a blessing. So my business partner, Scott Anderson, who actually brought me on with PCNA, and I've known him ever since. He's been a mentor of mine. We work for the same company, and he left PCNA in February, and I left PCNA in the summer of 2020. And we both found ourselves in this space where you know, we've been in the industry combined 40 years and we love the industry and we felt like we have and we want to give back in some way. So we started to brainstorm on what that might look like. And at that time, I actually was taking a course on my own outside of the industry. I'm a huge self-development, self-education junkie. And it was through Tony Robbins and Dean Graciosi. You guys, I'm sure, are familiar with those names. And I was 
taking this course and I was part of this community and it was just such an incredible experience. And I've envisioned bringing this experience to our space. And Scott and I started to brainstorm around what that might look like. And we started to come up with different ideas of what the company would look like, what we would offer. And so from where we started to by the time we were ready to launch, it completely evolved, but it became Live2, which is a company that is focused on the success of the promotional products sales distributor. And it's a company that consists of community, consists of training, and focused on, like I mentioned, bringing success to the promotional product sales distributor, both on a personal and professional level. That's very cool. And so how did you launch it? How did you sort of bring it to market? I think what we really wanted to focus on is creating a community first, because we wanted to introduce ourselves in these new roles, right? So like I said, we've been in the industry for a while, so we've had a lot of connections and we've had a lot of people that knew who we were, but never in this role. So we really focused on reaching out to some of the people that we were close with. We did a ton of research because, you know, you come up with an idea and it could be great, but if there's no need for it, then it really doesn't matter. So we started to really dig in and do the research and we did a ton of beta testing and it was probably the best thing that we could have done for the business because it really helped us understand what were some of the things that we felt were important that really weren't for our customer? What were some of the things that we felt weren't as important that were actually hugely important? So we made a lot of tweaks prior to the launch based on that beta testing. And, you know, with this pandemic at that time, I mean, it was in the summer, nobody knew how long it was going to last. No one expected us to, you know, 2021, we're still in it. And what I will say, some of the things that were amplified by the pandemic really went into that need that we uncovered even prior to the pandemic, which is the need to have a connection, the need to have accountability within their training, the need to find out what's working in our industry for some of the best of the best and how are some people thriving regardless of what's coming at them. And those are some of the things that we're able to put into place and really have a stronger need for as people are going through this craziness of 2020. <laughs> this very unique time period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And craziness might sound too nice <laughs> with what we all went through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Bill, why don't you tell us what Brand of Eight does and then just sort of explain how you guys brought yourselves to market on this. I love what Alina said. That's so great to hear. And I, and I love their story. It's really great. One of the things we saw, and I still see, avoid in the promotional products industry Marketing, frankly, leaves a lot to be desired in our industry. It just has for years. We're very good at showing product. We're very poor at showing it in an elegant way. You know, we all see the emails with 14 different products and 0.6 font on there with weird pricing codes and 
everything feeling and looking the same and, and things don't have a soul. And so Kelsey and I worked together at Promo Corner. She was a creative director at Promo Corner when I was president. And one of the things we did and did well was create a lot of marketing vehicles and advertising vehicles for the clients at Promo Corner. And when Promo Corner really didn't want to keep going in that direction due to the pandemic, really wanted to focus on their online trade show, the promo show, we still see that natural need for this type of service. So that's really what we do is we're a branding and advertising agency focused on the promotional products industry. Yes, we would, of course, take and love clients outside the industry. And I think we're about to have one, but we're really focused on the promotional products industry because we both know it. I've been in the industry for 20 years. Kelsey's been in the industry 16 years. So much like Scott and Alina, we bring a ton of experience to the table, both from a supplier perspective and a distributor perspective and so on and so forth. And so, you know, you asked about launching in a pandemic. I don't know if there's a better time to do it for us. And I think probably for Alina and Scott, and I don't want to speak for them. It's really about taking control of your destiny. And for us, it was doing work that mattered. We wanted to do work that absolutely mattered. I don't think we would redo anything. Maybe launch a couple of weeks earlier. We were ready two weeks before the actual launch. We had identified a launch date and you're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And we were just really fortunate to have a lot of support. And really the main support came from each other. Kelsey and I are really great friends. And so I'm sure Alina would agree, picking your business partner is pretty dang important. And so a lot of support there. And then her husband, Aaron, my wife, Sandy, a ton of support. And then we also have such great support from the industry. So honestly, I would not change a thing about when we launched. That's a great attitude and really does show just such resilience and knowing that what's going to be tough, but you still want to do it does show a lot to your clients. I think we all love hearing a success story. And I always tell my clients, you know, brag about what you're doing a little bit and share because I think the positivity does rub off and people love hearing success stories. So Alina, let's start with you. What's something that happened with a client that went really well and something that you learned from that experience? Sure. Yeah. So live to, we have three legs to the business. One is this free Facebook community, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but live to learn is the course that we have put together. And we actually just had a class graduate in December and launched our second class yesterday, which we're really excited about. But having the first class go through, we didn't know what kind of people were going to gravitate to it, what kind of experience within the industry we're going to have. And what we're really blessed with is a really wide variety of experience and people that brought so much awesomeness into the first group. So we had people that were just starting out in the industry to 30-year veterans. We had a book of business that was just starting out in the industry to multi-million dollars and everything in between. And I think one of the things that I loved in our first class is we actually had one of the owners that invested in his entire sales team for the program. And he went through it with them. And what it provided for him and for his team is alignment. And that is something we actually caught up not too long ago. And we talked about that, how 
he now feels like everybody is on the same page based on the things that they have learned and the tactics that they're now putting into place after going through our program. And in their weekly meetings, they are taking parts of the course and discussing their business and their successes and their strategy moving forward around the things that they've learned in the course. So it's really become part of their strategic approach, which is just so gratifying, the fact that we were able to help them in that way. We have a lot of really fun case histories, but that one, I loved hearing that. That sounds really special. We're all parents, Kate, sorry. I know you've mentioned your son before, and it sounds like a proud moment taking care of that client and seeing that end result. I heard like the proud mom in you moment. And I've heard people describe new businesses like that, like if that's your baby and you like to see it evolve and grow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The mindset that I now have compared to anything I've ever done before is it's so not about me or what's in it for me. It's about how I can serve more and how we can add value. And I will say that the moment I realized that that is where I need to focus, that's where everything changed. The approach, the content, all of it changed. I love that. Bill, you have a good story for us? A good client win? A good client feel good story? No. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> well, just get back to me in a, a week or so whenever you can. <laughs> just kidding. No I, I love listening to what Alina was saying. That's awesome. You know, we've had the really good fortune of being able to work with both suppliers and distributor and finding those tangible results have been pretty amazing, quite frankly. It's really cool to do that. You know, we have four prongs to what we do at Brand of Ape. It's marketing, it's branding, it's sales, and then we also do coaching some business coaching for people in the industry. And I'd say the biggest success story is we've been completely entrusted with some pre-recognizable brands in our industry, which kind of blew me away. You know, once we showed them our ideas, we gave them our pitch, but they actually showed them our ideas for their brand, how they could take their marketing, stand out in a crowded marketplace and affect action to their target audience. It was really wonderful because each approach is unique. It has to be very different for each client because they have a different voice. They have different products, maybe go to market different. So it has to be really unique. And the one that was really great, once we were turned loose by this one customer, they really entrusted us with their brand, allowed us complete, as long as we stayed in brand guidelines, which we always do, carte blanche with whatever we wanted to do to tell their story. And once we did that, the results were pretty darn amazing. They saw a real tangible increase in their online and social engagement, which was one of the things we absolutely wanted to do. But they also started getting definable orders. We could track specific orders based on specific marketing pieces that were a direct result of those marketing pieces. One of the challenges we have in any marketing has is how do you know you're actually giving that return on investment, that ROI? Well, we've been able to show that in several ways. And it's really fun for us to really create individuality for each client. The best compliment is when no one knows we're actually somebody's marketing department. And that's kind of our goal. We want to understand exactly what their marketing voice is, what their brand voice is, and then take that and tell that story in unique ways that really move their target audience to action. And we're happy to remain anonymous. 
Perfectly said. Love that. Yeah, that's so great. And it's so interesting as well is that sort of how being online kind of changes that for you as well. The traditional, and I'm using air quotes here, ways of coming to market have changed with the pandemic and sort of with people's reactions to it as well. And you both use social really well in sort of getting out there. And so can you maybe give people an idea of what you did and what everyone's reaction was for it and how you kind of planned everything for it? Go for it, Bill. Obviously, social media is the great equalizer. It also uh, doesn't cost really any money. It costs just opportunity costs. And so for us, when I look back at our launch, it was what we called Brandvocate Week. We identified about 25 people in the industry to help us get the word out about what we were doing, how we were doing it, and hopefully get some buzz. And we sent them a box, a box of promotional products. That's right, folks. We actually used promotional products to promote our business. Pretty crazy. I know. <laughs> Wild man. <laughs> I know. Charity would be so proud. We use promo to sell promo. So in the box were five products, one for each day of the week. Monday, we had writing instruments. But what the real genius was, we created these metal brandvocate cards. So each person had a membership number. And if they present that card to either me or Kelsey at an industry event, we will buy them a drink, not to exceed $9.49. We were very clear on that. <laughs> so Tuesday, it was a t-shirt. Wednesday was a metal bottle koozie. Thursday was some leather and slate coasters. And Friday was whiskey rocks. And it just took off. People got super creative with it. Brett Schaefer did a frame-by-frame -frame scene right out of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was amazing. David Schultz wrote a song and performed it for us. Dana Geiger, one of my favorite pictures. First of all, she got her daughter involved on TikTok. But she also had this wonderful picture of the can koozie and a bottle of vodka sitting on top of it and said, Bill, Kelsey, I think my can holder's broken because it wouldn't fit. Josh Robbins threw the coasters and said, these are the worst Frisbees I've ever received. And then Meg Erber, Stephen McFadden, and Charity Gibson did this three-state pour of a drink. So it was really fun. And that took off. We did not expect that to take off the way it did. In fact, you know, we got to a point where during that week, I think we here at Brandivate were almost tired of seeing the word Brandivate in our logo everywhere. But it really helped serve to launch us. And then we've continued to leverage social media. I've always done that. So we have a blog that drops every Monday. We keep a pretty strict schedule on when things drop. Blogs are on Monday. We do a podcast every Friday. Kelsey and I do a podcast that we do when we feel moved to do so. It's called the What the Hell Are We Doing podcast because sometimes we're like, what the hell are we doing? And it's kind of a look into our entrepreneurial journey. And we have the Brand of Eight Beverage of the Week every Friday. So it all tied in very together. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And it was such a case study in how social media can really be leveraged in a positive way to really launch a company. I still look back and I'm just amazed by the outpouring of support we got from the industry. I also thought it was great. It was fun because, you know, in the industry, we're all connected to so many people. If you're lucky, so many similar people. And seeing those posts come in was really fun to watch and sort of thinking who's going to post what next. So you hear the word promo FOMO so much in this industry. What it also did, I think, and I know you saw comments on this, was that it made people think, am I going to get something? Can I post about it? So you gave a little bit of that teaser and that promo FOMO feeling, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah. We had to remind people several times, hey, we're a startup. That means we've got a budget. We would <laughs> love to include everybody. So 
we're planning on doing a Brandvocate week in July to kind of celebrate our first anniversary. We're going to do something similar. And so as people engage with our brand on social, we pay attention to that. And those are the people who will be chosen as Brandvocates. Because look, we'd love to include everybody. But again, I got twin boys who are about to go to college. I need to keep some of that Skrilla, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bill, using what the cool kids say. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) It is really interesting, too, because like you started to create this hunger and sort of applying it back as this is how you use promo, but this is how you market yourself as well, like sort of how you brought yourself to market. So Alina, how did you guys plan out using social or just sort of plan out your launch for everything? Well, first of all, I will say that, Bill, you and Kelsey launched, I think it was just a couple or maybe a few weeks before us, but obviously by chance, neither of us knew what we were doing. And I was like, I loved your launch. I thought it was so great and so engaging. I'm like, how do I become one of these brandvocates and get the swag? It was amazing. So anyways, just wanted to give you kudos to that because I don't think we ever talked about it. No, we haven't. And thank you. It was definitely a team effort. So thank you. Yes, yes. So for us, what we decided to do with Scott, as I mentioned earlier, we did a lot of beta testing with our content for the course. And we, oh my gosh, probably had between owners and salespeople on the distributor side, probably about 20 to 30 people that were a part of giving us feedback and part of our beta testing. And so once we were finished developing the content and our product, we went back to most of those people and asked them kind of to be our influencers in a way to help create suspense and create buzz. So what we chose to do is we wanted to create a group, which we still have it. It's called Live to community, which lives on Facebook. And we wanted to get people into this group to find out what it is that we're going to be talking about. So there's very little tips and hints around the posting that our influencers would post for us and bring people into this community just because we wanted to create suspense and we wanted it to be fun. and. On our launch date in this community, we went live and we introduced ourselves. Well, it was funny because there's so many people that we have known for years that had no idea that Scott and I were a part of Live2 at that time. And so we got so many messages and phone calls after the fact, like, what in the world? Because neither of us changed any of our information on LinkedIn or other social media platforms until after our live launch. So it was a lot of fun. And like Bill said, social media is just such a unique way to connect with so many people across the entire country. I think at that time we had about 200 people in the community. It's now up to 350, a little over 350. But there's no way we would have had that many people hear us out on what we're doing and what Live2 is and who we are and et cetera. It is really remarkable. And again, something I talk to my clients about, just the power of social these days. 
and how information is literally just being handed to you. And it's remarkable. It's often free. And I think people are starting to use it more playfully now more than ever. You know, people are scrolling more now than ever and on their phone and laptops. And if you are doing the right campaigns and the right execution, social has a great, great, great look to it. I was talking to a colleague that I actually feel like I know really well. And she's in the industry and she was talking about redoing her website. Now she's a strong presence on Instagram. And I said to her, what's going on? Why do you want to change the website? And she told me something she didn't like. And I said, you know what? I've known you for nine months. I've never looked at your website. I'm in love with her Instagram. I take notes on it all the time. That just goes to show, you know, it used to be you go straight to the website, you check things out. I'm usually heading to the socials first. Yeah. Interesting because in talking to some people, they might be saying how much they don't like Facebook or whatever, but everybody's on it. At least that's what I found in some of the discussions I've had is whether or not you love it or hate it, you're on it because there's that huge sense of FOMO, the, you know, what am I missing out that my competitors are doing or my colleagues are doing, et cetera. Well, unfortunately, that's not an option anymore to say, I don't know about that platform. I'm not comfortable on that platform. You know, Kate and I talk about it for different technology too. In Promo Kitchen, you can't say, I don't use Slack. I don't use Trello. If you want to be part of the conversation, you have to adapt to what other people are doing. And so maybe that doesn't mean you post heavily on Instagram or you're on it every day and saying things, but it's important to see what other people are doing for sure. Here's the thing. If you want to affect change, you want to reach your audience, you got to go where they live. In talks I give, you know, older people in our industry who sell, I'll ask them, how do you contact your grandkids? Well, I text them. Well, then fine. Don't get upset when your client wants a text. I know that might feel weird and uncomfortable to you, but it's not their job to ignore 20 years of technology they grew up with just to make you comfortable. Mm, I agree. Yeah. And it's so interesting as well. A lot of people tend to think that social launches are like, oh, they're just so good at social. It's like, that's an aspect of it. But so much thought and preparation needs to go into doing social well as well. It can't be sort of throwing something out there is like, okay, how do you tie that into your business, the message, the message you want your clients to receive, but also how does it tie into your North Star? Like, what is it something that you're like, this is our why, this is why we do what we do. Let's not veer away, but at the same time, be interesting. I always think of like Catherine Graham talking about social and being like, be someone worth following, like be someone interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guys, you talked about some really great success stories. Talk to us a little bit about credibility. You know, you're fairly, again, young, new, people starting to hear about you more and more and I'm sure generating a buzz. But talk to us about how you feel you can gain more credibility in the months to come as people are still feeling like they're in the deep of this pandemic. You know, we have scares about strains that are stronger and people getting sick and some states having stricter lockdowns. This certainly isn't going away. And I think people are certainly still scared of the economy. How do you feel you can gain credibility in the next few weeks and months to come? And Alina, we can start with you. How do we get credibility quickly? As I mentioned, Scott and I were in the industry for so long that it really helped having that experience. It really helped having the relationships and being, you know, with a supplier like PCNA and having such incredible, and I always call it a gift. 
exposure to so many different customers in every part of this country between the two of us, we've pretty much called on everyone. So the unique exposure that we have had and exposure to the experience, exposure to some of the best practices and habits of you know, some of the best of the best in this industry has really helped us shape the content of our course. So that helped, right? Having those initial connections, that was wonderful. We had some incredible mentors in this industry as we were building our course that helped us bring it to life. But once we launched it, we really had to give some of it away. We had to create some of these test groups. We put a few people through it prior to even launching it just to make sure that it did bring the value that we were hoping that it would, that it did over-deliver what we wanted to. And what happened after that is referrals. So now what we're seeing is the best way I can relate it to our industry when it comes to product is we're seeing reorders, right? So we've had some owners that have put their team members through our first class just to see how the program was going to work for a couple of team members who have put the rest of their team through in our second class. And that is just the best compliment is knowing that you get that reorder, you get that customer that's coming back because they see the value for themselves, they see it for their sales associates. And that's what we're hoping for is just continued success for our students, success for our members that will continue to spread and others will hopefully join. And as our students are going through the course and they're seeing results and they're seeing the changes and they're creating new habits and they're sharing it with others, whether it's within their organizations or within the industry, that's where we're starting to get our credibility. And, you know, another thing is we are so engaged with our team members and our students, and we're constantly listening. We're listening to what they need more of, which helps us create content for a community that we launched after our members graduate. We're listening to what are some of the new challenges that maybe weren't present obviously there's a ton of those, a year ago that they want to dig in more to. So we're constantly engaged and we're constantly trying to provide value to our current members and our members that are interested and are signing up. Makes perfect sense. Bill, what about you? How do you feel about credibility right now? Yeah, you know, one thing was mentioned at the beginning of that question was, you know, the pandemic making it easier or harder. I can honestly say that's something we here have never looked at it. Does the pandemic make things easier or harder? It's an is, and it's something we can't control. So we've really focused our energy on the things we can control, like the marketing and sales, website, doing work that matters, and social and content really do establish that credibility. You know, I'm a big believer And I know you, Kate and Joe know this very, very well. I'm a huge, huge advocate of content marketing. And I'm also a huge advocate that most marketing needs to give. So we have a pretty strict 80-20 rule. 
here at Brandovate that 80% of our marketing efforts is based on giving, which that establishes credibility. So I put out a blog every Monday. I mentioned that earlier. It's not a commercial for the blog, but it's something hopefully that people find value in. It might be me talking about a brand idea or a marketing theory or something like that. But a lot of times it's just talking about what's going on in my life because, you know, we see everybody on social and what you're seeing is everybody's highlight reel, as Kirby Hossman would like to say. You see everybody's highlight reel, not everybody's real life. And so I like to share when I do stumble, when I do make a mistake, but more importantly, how I recover from that. And I think that helps going a long way to building credibility because it's transparent. And I think people really identify with that transparency. So we have the blog and the promo upfront podcast that Kirby and I do every week for credibility. But then we also do fun content that also kind of builds credibility. We do something called T-Shirt Tuesday. It's the most iconic promotional product out there. And we share alternating weeks, a shirt out of our closets, a t-shirt. Maybe it's a concert t-shirt that brings back a great memory. Maybe it's a t-shirt we picked up at a trade show along the way. It doesn't really matter, but we share those things and we invite our community to engage. And same thing on Thursdays. Music is a big part of my life. It's also a big part of Kelsey's. So we create a collaborative Spotify playlist every Thursday. It drops at noon Eastern time. And we have a theme and we invite people to add songs to it. And so by doing those things throughout the week, And doing it consistently, that establishes credibility. We tell people what we're going to do and we do it. So we have specific content for each day of the week. Wednesday is the one day where we'll push content where it will be something like, why do companies like to work with us? So it might be more of an ask marketing or telling a little bit of our story or sharing some of the services that we provide, things like that. That's for Wednesday. But the rest of the week is really to give, 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 and give. So. That's what we do. And then you know, on Fridays, we do the Brand of Eight Beverage of the Week and enjoy have everybody uh, join us virtually for a cocktail at the end of the week. Who doesn't want to do that? So I think really doing that and doing it consistently has really helped build our credibility. But then also knowing who is a client, but also who isn't a client and saying no to some opportunities, which is incredibly difficult when you're starting up. You're starting up, you're saving money, everything's a cost you're wanting to make a living on your own. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And so saying no is incredibly difficult, but we all have that feeling. We all have had that situation, whether you're in sales or a business owner, where you know, if you take that sale, the short-term gain is going to reveal a lot of long-term pain. And so I think when we say no to things, refer people to other vendors that might service them better, that also establishes our credibility. So I think we've really leveraged social to do that with that consistency in content that gives consistently. You're right. I think you've touched on a word that I've heard you say before. And thankfully for you, I think it's nice that people tie this back to you. Your credibility because you're consistent is also your authenticity. I know a lot of times when you do post, it's something very personal that you don't know if you should share or you're going to share, but you do share. And so that's super authentic. And I know people like that. And you've been consistent in all the companies you've worked for and the places you've been around. So I'm sure that took you a long way in boosting this company, right? It's not like you just came out of nowhere. People knew your reputation. So that's always good too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, heck, I'm 51. You said something about us being young earlier. And I was like, yeah, that's right. We're young. 51. Woo! I know Alina's a lot younger than I am, but I don't think I got comfortable in my own skin until I was probably 
40, 42. I don't think I really believed I could do things. I don't think I believed in myself, quite frankly. And it's very cathartic for me to share openly. I know my bride doesn't like it sometimes. I know my business partner sometimes doesn't like it, but it's who I am. And I think sometimes, again, we hear about everybody's successes. We don't hear about their struggles enough. And I think it's important for people who like me or follow me on social media or whatever to also see, hey, I struggle too. And some days really stink. And some days I make the wrong decisions. And some days my radar's off and I am not brilliant. I am just a guy trying to figure it out the best I can, just like anybody else. And so to me, it's therapy, but I also think it helps build that connection. You know, people buy from people and brands they know, like, and trust. I'm a big believer in that. Social media is an outlet in building that credibility and sharing who you are. Look, everybody can put up a great vacation picture. I like seeing them too, but I think it's okay to share, hey, you know, today I really didn't like my kids very much because it was really difficult to work from home. And the stuff they were coming at me with was really distracting and really inconsequential. We should really clarify something here, though. You mentioned that you're young. I just want to mention I'm younger. I think it's important for the audience to know that. So we don't need to edit or anything. Just want to make it really clear. I was saying I was young. Oh. I want to say I'm also much younger. So if we're going <laughs> to put it out there. <laughs> Look, everybody's younger than me. Everybody's younger than me. Heck, my business old and dried up at this point, Bill. <laughs> I, I am. Look, I'm a has-been that never was. So... <laughs> I imagine kind of at that point, you think that everything will be settled and everything's totally cool. What I find really interesting watching people, like I've talked to so many people in the past like month even, who had been let go from their company or things had happened and they're just like, I'm just starting new. I've started my own distributorship. You know, I'm trying to figure out if this is what I want to do. And and when everyone really, really wants stability, launching a business is not a stable time period. No, it's not. It, I chose to leave Promo Corner. That was 100% my decision, you know, and it was just time. And it was the time in my life to do work that I feel matters with a business partner and really try to do something that's just ours. And so, yeah, again, no risk it, no biscuit. Look, I've never met a challenge I've shied away from, and maybe we'll have great success. And maybe we'll fall flat on our face. Time will tell. And other people can judge that. Right now, I know that Kelsey and I are having the time of our lives. We're creating work that matters. And our clients knock on simulated wood, whatever this is, a desk is made out of them sitting at. They seem to like what we're doing. So I'm going to ride that wave as long as we can. That's awesome. So for both of you, in that theme of what are entrepreneurs thinking right now, like, what should other entrepreneurs be thinking about right now? Like, what should they be considering when they bring themselves or their product to market that, you know, if someone had gone to you like eight months ago, just been like, hey, I got something to tell you, what would be that piece of advice you'd pass on? So Alina, do you want to go first on this one? Sure. Yes. I've really enjoyed that discussion you guys just had, Bill. I think the one thing that I would say is having the right mindset. And I could probably write a book about all of the lessons that I have learned since launching our business, what, in September. And one of the biggest lessons was to enjoy the process because there's going to be days that are 
incredible. There's going to be days that are not. And I have found that in those moments when things don't always go my way or our way, that's where some of the most incredible lessons are hidden. And I will say also another piece of advice that we actually received from one of our mentors before launching was be nimble and don't fall in love with your product, but fall in love with your customer. And when you do that and it becomes about your customer and their needs and helping them find value, then you're able to be a lot more nimble. And that mindset is what has kept us going through all of it. And it made failure really not an option for us. And that's why we continue to completely fall in love with what we're doing with our customers every day more and more and just find absolute beauty regardless of what happens. Love it. And Bill, what would you say to you eight months ago? <laughs> You're a moron. <laughs> no, like, I, listen I, up. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, I, I loved what Alina just said. And we have a very similar approach there. You know, we absolutely love our customers. We treat them like family because we know our success is directly tied to their success. And we absolutely live and breathe their brands. And I think Alina and Scott do the same thing over at Live2. And I love this question, and I'm glad you actually provided it in advance because I took some notes. Believe it or not, I actually prepared for a podcast for once. It's really important if you're choosing to partner with somebody, who you partner with. I am sure Alina and Scott both gave that long, hard consideration, and I know Kelsey did. I did. You know, It's very difficult to do this alone. It's a struggle, and your family members won't understand it. They'll understand as much as they can. But to have someone that's going through it with you, slogging through the trenches, embracing the failures, learning from the failures, and then celebrating the successes, to have to do that, it's really important who you do that with. I think also, and Alina, I think, touched on this earlier, does your idea or product or service, whatever it is, it has to have more than just an audience that wants it. It has to have an audience that's willing to pay. At the end of the day, I'm sorry. We need to make money. Alina and Scott need to make money. Access Promotions needs to make money. Clearmont needs to make money. All of us need to make money. Not because we want to gouge people, but we all have to make money to live. That's just life. And so you have to make sure whatever you have, whatever you're selling, whether it's a service or product, that it has an audience that's willing to pay for that experience over and over and over again. And I think the other thing is people who want to be entrepreneurs underestimate how much time it takes to support the business with marketing and sales activities while you're actually doing work for your clients. There's always something to do. So the second we finish working for our clients, we start thinking about how we're marketing ourselves. Do we have a sales call to make? Do we have something to follow up on? What's going on over here at social? Do we need to contact this person? Do we need to follow up on that invoice? There's always something to do. And it's not always the fun real work you get in the business for. So, and the last piece of advice I would say are two. One is challenge your successes. Every time we do something really great, we do every single thing we can to not replicate it. We don't want to copy ourselves. It's a very easy trap to fall into. 
And I think that's what leads to stagnation. And that stagnation leads to losing your clients. And the last one is hug your haters. Man, there are people who are not going to like what you're doing. They're going to think you're a moron. They're going to think the way you conduct your business is not right. They're going to think your product doesn't fit. Listen to them. Sometimes they have really good points. Follow your gut, but hug your haters. Listen to them. You can learn a lot from the people who don't like what you do or how you do it. And I'm a big fan of that. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that. I know sometimes I rub people the wrong way, which I hate because I am a born pleaser. I like people and it kills me when I find someone doesn't like me. But I know I'm not for everybody because I'm comfortable in my own skin. And so I love hearing when people don't like what we're doing at Brandivate because I learn from that. We learn from that. That's a good attitude. As we wrap this up, is there anything that we haven't covered that you both want to touch on? I think the only thing is if you're really thinking about being an entrepreneur, I used to call myself an accidental entrepreneur and that doesn't apply anymore. What we're doing is very intentional. You're never fully ready to launch a business. You can sit there for a year and plan every single thing out you think of. You're never, ever, ever really ready to launch it. So pick a date and go. Commit to it fully and go. You'll learn as you go. And it's a fun journey, as Alina was referring to. Embrace that journey because it is ups, it's downs, it's sideways, it's diagonal, it's everything. But man, do you learn a lot about yourself in the process. And it's a very freeing lifestyle. Yeah. Just to jump in, I don't know if I can say it any better. I'm trying to think of a quote that your dreams live on the other side of fear. And fear sometimes can be paralyzing. But one of the things that we really focus on is starting with your why, understanding what that deep rooted why is. And when you know what that is, regardless of any challenges that you might have, it will keep you grounded and it'll keep you going through any obstacles and any challenges and any fears that might stand in your way. And it's fun. (laughs) Excellent. Well, we want to thank you both for taking time to talk to us and the community of Promo Kitchen and We wish you all the best. I can't wait to see where both these companies are in one year from today. And thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.